thanks for joining me for the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel, Program Director at Strong Towns. This week's guest hails from Utah, and he's here to talk about a cool tactical urbanism program that is helping make safer streets with an incremental resident-driven approach in Park City. Tactical urbanism is an approach to public space that involves making what we at Strong Towns like to call small bets, that is little temporary projects that require not too much money to execute, which allow people to test out a new design in a public space. It might be a crosswalk created with temporary paint or a bus stop enhanced with movable lawn furniture. The goal is to trial a concept and if it works well, perhaps implement it more permanently down the line striping that crosswalk in permanent paint or installing a full-size bench at the bus stop. Austin Taylor is helping lead tactical urbanism efforts in Park City, Utah, where he works as a transportation planner. The program in Park City lets residents decide on and propose projects themselves and then provides city funding and city help with the permitting process to execute these projects. The city even collects data on the impact too. And as you'll hear from Austin, that data shows success in slowing down cars and making people feel safer through street design changes, something that we have been advocating for at Strong Towns for many years. Austin is himself a dedicated advocate for safer streets, and he leads the Bike Walk Provo organization. He's also been featured at Strong Towns in the past and is a longtime Strong Towns advocate. So here's the interview. Austin Taylor, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Rachel. I'm a big fan of Strong Towns. I've been following and reading the blog for a while. I've been listening to a few of your podcasts, so it's an honor to be here. Fantastic. Can you start by telling us a little about yourself, how you ended up you know, doing the work that you're doing today, and maybe where you, where you live and where you're based? Exactly. Yeah. So I live... In Provo, Utah, it's a town of about 115,000 people. It has very high rates of walking and biking. 15% of people walk to work each day, according to the census, and 3% bike, which is the highest in Utah and one of the highest in the West. It's a university town with um, one large university of 30,000 students. And I got interested in urbanism when I moved here. So I, I grew up in a very suburban place um, in, a, you know, in a gated community is where I grew up. And when I moved to Provo, I landed in an urban environment and I loved it. I loved it because everything was so close and I could be independent. I could get around without a car. And I think that's a lot of people's college experiences. One of the first times, if they come from a suburban area, it's one of the first times that they experience a walkable environment. Yeah, and totally. so I didn't study engineering. I didn't study urban planning, nothing like that. In college, I actually, um, I started in music performance doing a percussion. And then oh, cool. I, I transferred to Latin American studies, which was worth it. But mostly I just wanted to graduate. I wanted to get out because I already had a job that I liked. But I got into studying and um, working in the urbanism space. Um, because of my experience, right? And so I volunteered for 
few different organizations. Right now, I'm the executive director of Bike Walk Provo. It's a nonprofit advocacy group that promotes and uh, works to get safer streets in Provo. And I have worked for a couple different city governments as a planner as well. And um, it's been great. Very cool. And so you are currently like working for the city government and also full-time director of uh, Bike Walk Provo. You must be very busy. Yeah, but I love this stuff, right? So for some people in their free time, they'll watch TV, they'll play sports. Um, For me, I have a lot of fun leading advocacy efforts. Uh, And my advocacy isn't just in Bike Walk Provo as well, like, you know, political things too, political campaigns. But that's how I get my enjoyment in life is his advocacy outside of work, I think. That's fantastic. I want to talk about a few things here, but focusing on this city-led tactical urbanism project that you were part of earlier this summer, we shared about it in the Strong Towns Facebook group. How did that come to be? Yeah, so the post that I shared was of a project that I helped lead in Park City. So my, my day job is I work for the city government in Park City, which is a small town of about 8,000 residents. It's um, mostly a ski resort community. There are two large ski resorts inside of city limits and, and uh, one big one just outside of it. It's a very popular tourist destination. It's a popular place for Utahns and bigger cities to come spend the weekend as well. And it prides itself in being on the leading edge of transportation efforts. So it invests a lot of money and time in public transit and walking and biking. So this project, uh, it's part of a new program that the city launched this year called People First Streets. It's a program that, you know, I led the start of it. I led the initiation of it. The city manager wanted to see more ways for residents to get involved in shaping their streets and in a really quick and um, temporary way too. You know, we see tactical urbanism done in cities across the world. And, and he wanted to see that done in Park City as well. So the program, like I said, is called People for Streets. And it's different than some cities' tactical urbanism programs where sometimes they're top-down. It's the city saying, we have this problem and we have this idea and we're going to do it. And residents, we want you to tell us your thoughts about it afterward. Well, this one flips that on its head and it's, it's bottom-up just like the, you know, your podcast and the Strong Towns mission, what we're saying to the residents is if you have a problem with your street, if you see an issue, we want you to lead the uh, effort to change it. And so we empower residents to gather together, form volunteer groups, and create a tactical urbanism project. The city will fund it. The city will run it through all of the necessary departments to get approval. And we will help create that project with the residents leading the way. That is a really cool model. Um, That's super cool to hear about. Have you seen this sort of thing done in other places or did y'all kind of come up with this particular like style of doing this yourselves? So I've seen many city governments approve and even carry out tactical urbanism 
it's pretty rare that you'll see one that empowers residents to do it on their own and actually pay for the projects, pay for the materials. Uh, we have seen one in Burlington, Vermont. They have a similar program that's resident-led. I don't know if it's city-funded like it is in Park City, but I, I think it's a great way to do it. And if, if I were a resident of Park City, I would definitely be taking advantage of it because, you know, with Bike Walk Provo, we've done a lot of tactical urbanism projects and um, self-funded a, a couple of them. So, it, you know, I think the people of Park City are pretty lucky to have this program. Yeah, it sounds like it. What specific street or streets have you helped implement this on? So to date this year, we've had three projects that have been completed. Again, all resident-led. The first one was in the Prospector neighborhood of Park City on Gold Dust Lane and Sidewinder Drive. And if people want to learn more about it, there are a couple news articles that were written about it. You can see photos of it. But the idea came from someone who lives and works in the area. It's a mixed-use neighborhood. And she walks to work. It's a very short walk. I think it's a quarter mile or, or a half a mile, something like that. But there's a particular intersection um, where when she's walking to work, drivers will be speeding through it or sometimes they won't stop for her in the crosswalk. And so she wanted, she wanted to change it. She wanted to make it safer for herself and for others that use that intersection. And so she came to me um, as I'm running the program and she said, you know, I want drivers to stop at the crosswalk. I want them to slow down when they're driving through the intersection. And so we came up with the idea of doing some temporary curb extensions. We implemented that in two spots in this area. The curb extensions, we created them out of paint, some plastic bollards, and some little planter barrels. And it's really colorful, it's eye-catching. And uh, it's been up since since June, I believe, late June. We've collected before and after data, and we have found that cars have been driving slower on average. And uh, as we've interviewed pedestrians that have walked through it, the vast majority of them are saying that they feel safer using it. So it, it's a fantastic project. What I like about these is that they show a whole new way of thinking with street designs, you know, where the city, the city doesn't have the budget to go in and put every single one of these ideas in permanently, like right away. But what it does show is that curb extensions work. And when the street does get rebuilt, maybe the city will put in those curb extensions because the residents will have seen that it works and the city will have seen that it works and would be willing to invest in it. So that was the first project and I think the most impactful one so far. Yeah. And I'm assuming, was it like you and other city staff or people hired by the city that collected that data on speeds and polling people about whether they felt safe walking? We did have volunteers help with that too. With oh, speed, cool. So with speeds, we used, you know, standard engineering radar counter that we put on a light post. So it's, invisible and we're not in, we're not getting drivers slowing down just because they see someone with a speed gun 
right? And then with, um, with interviewing the pedestrians, both I did that, another city staff member did that, and then um, two of the lead volunteers on the project did some pedestrian counts as well. Excellent. Yeah, if you could tell us just a little bit about the other two projects, too, that might be interesting for people to hear. Like, were they in different sorts of neighborhoods, busier busier or less busy streets? Um, what was the draw for those other projects? Yeah, so the other projects are great, too. The second one was a, uh, it was a crosswalk improvement. And this is a crosswalk that goes across a collector road that leads into a rural neighborhood, you know, big houses are separated, but there's one road in, one road out. And so it does get people speeding in and speeding out to get into that neighborhood. And this, this crosswalk connects a very popular trail in Park City. People come from all over to use the trails. And, you know, in the wintertime, it's a ski resort destination. In the summertime, it's a mountain biking and um, like nature exploration place. So th- this is specifically a paved trail that a lot of residents and tourists use. And her, you know, the lead volunteer in this project, her idea was we want to paint the crosswalk and make it brighter and make it more eye-catching so that drivers will slow down and so that they'll yield to pedestrians and cyclists on here. So she gathered up a bunch of her neighbors and proposed a um, kind of artistic design to go in that crosswalk. And just with a few buckets of paint and about two hours of work, we filled that crosswalk with this artistic design and placed two of those state law stop for pedestrian signs in the middle of the crosswalk. And as we were painting it, as you know, people were walking across and biking across and they told us how much they appreciated it. And uh, since then, we've heard nothing but compliments on that specific project. People, people like the colors of it. People like the fact that it's catching drivers' attention. So that was the second project. And then the third one was just put in last week. And the idea behind this one, this is, this is in a parking lot that overlooks a big sports field where people play soccer and football. And the idea comes from a mom who watches her kids play on this field often. Uh, the option, you know, when she wants to go there and sit down and watch, they can sit on the grass on the hill that's next to the parking lot. But sometimes the grass is wet and sometimes it's really sunny and hot and there's no shade. And so her idea was to convert two parking spaces into an outdoor seating area that has that view of the sports park. And so we used artificial turf and some benches and planters that she made, as well as tables and chairs and umbrellas to sit out there to take the place of the two parking spots. The idea again is to show that we can take back space from cars, we can make a more pleasant built environment. And uh, hopefully we see a lot of people using it. That one's really exciting. Yeah, this is so cool to hear about. You know, of course, this is all tactical urbanism, so it's not like permanent, you know, paving concrete, drilling things into the ground. Is there a phase two where you'll decide whether to make something permanent? Do these have like a 
a lifespan? Like we'll leave them up for six months and then take them down or like, what's the next step for the ones that have been up for longer? Yeah. All of these do have a specific lifespan and that's determined by the public works department. Typically park gotcha. city gets a lot of snow, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's, yes, the, that would be that's the draw. <laughs> yeah. That's the draw to the area in the winter time. And so our cutoff date is November 1st for all these projects because of snow plowing. Yeah. The snow plow drivers work really hard and um, you wouldn't believe how much snow they move. You know, I live in Provo, which is down in a valley. And when I hear excuses about snow plowing, I'm like, well, you know, it's maybe like three times a year, but in Park City, it's a big amount of snow that they have to move and haul away and store. And it's a big process. So November, November 1st is that cutoff date. And as far as long-term implementation, not, there are no promises that any of these projects will get implemented. Some of them might, you know, when this, when the street gets repaved, when it's a convenient time to do so, but there are no specific promises. The, the main idea right now is just for residents to test out ideas that they have and to possibly change public opinion. Yeah. Has there been any negative feedback, negative public opinions, or has it just been overwhelmingly positive? There definitely has been some negative public opinion. And that's primarily on the first project, which was the most invasive project. It changed the built environment the most because it narrowed the street from about 40 feet to 20 feet on those curb extensions. Ah, okay. And the biggest complaints that we got were were actually design complaints. Um, initially, the planters were installed in tires, which is, a, that's a very standard tactical urbanist material, but the, it is very cheap, but the, you know, and that was something that a recycling nonprofit proposed to use in the project. They wanted to show how you could repurpose trash, basically. But, um, a lot of residents didn't like it. And so the city came in and we replaced those with, you know, nicer planter boxes. So that's what's in now. And then we've also had complaints about the color choice on the project. We've got really bright oranges and um, yellows and greens and blues. And I had someone say that it looks like Disney World. And, um, and they'd rather see something that's like, a brown or a green or something, you know, they were saying something that blends in with a mountain community better. So you know, we're, we're listening to those complaints and we're changing things as we go. Like I said, those tires were swapped out for a nice planter buckets really quickly because of that. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I'm heartened to hear that it's aesthetic feedback, which is, you know, that's important. Um, but it's not people fundamentally saying like, I just really want to drive fast on the street and I'm annoyed that, uh, you know, people can cross more safely or anything like that. Or, you know, I'm annoyed that my parking spot was taken away. That's a really common one. It's great to hear that, that the feedback has, you know, been pretty minor. It sounds like. Yeah. We haven't taken away any parking spots with these projects, except for that one outdoor seating area in the parking lot, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So what is next for you, either in your your city job or at BikeWalk Provo? Like what are some of the projects you're excited about or initiatives that you're working on right now? So I'll say with, uh, with Park City, we continue to work on resident ideas for these People First Street projects. I've got at least two resident groups that are working on traffic calming projects that will go in in the springtime because of, because of that November 1st cutoff date. They want their projects to be up as long as possible. And so they're taking this winter to work with their neighbors and come up with some great designs for those. And I'm really excited. One of them proposes a small traffic circle and and some pedestrian refuge islands. I'm really excited about those. So hopefully those are going to go in early spring of next year. You know, we've talked mostly about your your Park City work. Um, anything that you want to share about Bike Walk Provo um, and anything that you all are, are focused on right now? Yeah, there's a really exciting... Um, this is in the same, you know, the same type of idea. Bike Walk Provo has been awarded a grant to build a parklet. And the grant comes from Spin Scooters and Better Block Foundation. And so we are working with the city to get approvals on that. And we are working with the Downtown Business Alliance to come up with a good location for it. We are moving really quickly because parking day, National Parking Day is in 10 days. Well, it's on, sorry, it's on September 17th. So oh, we yeah. Have a, yeah, we have a short amount of time to get this together. But that's a really exciting thing that Bike Walk Pro is doing, uh, as well as in the next week or two, we're doing a citywide walking and biking count, which is an annual thing that we do. We like to track if walking and biking goes up. We started that in 2019. In 2020, we chose not to do it because the university was all remote. And so we felt like the data would be very skewed, but but we're holding it this year. And we are excited to see how things have changed since 2019. I should ask, how did you first get connected with Strong Towns? I know that you've been um, reading and involved and you've written for us before. Do you, do you remember like how you got plugged in originally? You know, I don't remember the specific instance where I started following Strong Towns, but you know, I have a lot of friends in the urbanist advocacy space here in Provo and around the state. And they're always sharing Strong Towns articles and, and media so I'm sure one of them got me into it. I don't remember who it was or when it was, but I've been I've been following along for a few years at least. Yeah, it's great to hear. Yeah. And I'd say it's it's been a catalyst for a lot of things. Um so I, I mean I'm I'm doing bike walk provo, but on the side I'm doing a master's degree in real estate development at the University of Utah because Partly because you guys are always talking about how development can shape the built environment. And I'd love, I'd love to be a part of that, of transforming um, not only what's happening on the street, but what's happening off the street, and which you know, might even be more important as far as getting people to walk and bike. You know, if you have the densities, if you have the mix of uses, 
people will be more likely, they'll be more able to walk and bike around. And then Strong Towns has connected me to Congress for the New Urbanism too. And I'm on the board of directors for the Utah chapter, which is, it's small, but, you know, we are, you know, we're bootstrapping our way along. We're really, um, we're, we're all really into the mission. We're giving a presentation at our state's American Planning Association conference this week. And it's, it's geared towards planning commissioners where we're going to talk about new urbanist principles and how to apply them in the, in the planning commission role. So Strong Towns has, has connected me with a lot of things that I've studied and now spend my time doing. That's so great to hear. And wow, I mean, I was remarking on you're doing a couple different jobs, but also doing a master's degree at the same time. Um, I am very impressed at how you juggle your uh, many duties in your life. That's fantastic. Well, I, I wouldn't say that being busy is a good thing. It's just something that you like get yourself wrapped into. And my schedule is not an ideal schedule. So I don't, I don't want people to glorify busyness because being busy isn't a sign of being successful. Um, it's just, it just happens to be that I've gotten myself into probably too many things right now. Um, once school is over, then I'll be able to have more free time, which is healthy and uh, what I should have. Yeah, well, I respect that. Um, very wise words. So to close this out here, um, what advice would you give for other people who are hearing this and are excited about tactical urbanism work, um, maybe even work for a city government that would be interested in doing something similar to what you all are doing in Park City? What suggestions would you have for people to get started in their own community? Um, what I would say for city staff is that we, we really need to value the resident opinion and the resident feedback. You know, I don't live in the community that I work for. And so I don't experience it like the residents do. I'm, and I'm working remotely a lot of, a lot of the time too. So I'm in park city two or three days a week is all, but the residents who live there are there full time year round. They're always there experiencing it. And so they know what the city needs. And so we should pay attention to the feedback that they're giving us and give them opportunities to lead on projects. And then for, you know, for the activist, for the volunteer, someone who doesn't work for a city, but wants to see the city improve. You know, I'd say there are a lot of people like you in your city, even if you don't know them yet, or you don't think that there are, um, you know, go to, go to public meetings, go to neighborhood meetings, go to, you know, go to all sorts of community events and um, meet your people. And I'd say there's a lot of people like you and you can join together to make the city a better place. There's a lot more power in a, you know, in a voice from a group, from a collective, from a collective group than just through your own voice. Yeah. Well said. Well, thank you, Austin Taylor, for coming on the show. I'm going to make sure to share links to like the Bike Walk Provo site and um, also your previous articles and interviews at Strong Towns. You had mentioned that there's some articles and photos too of the People First Streets. So we'll make sure to share that as well. 
Yeah, and I'd and I'd say to everybody listening to Strong Towns, you know, you're you're in the right place. Um, Strong Towns principles are fantastic. They'll make your city better, and we should be doing everything we can to apply them to our cities. Thank you. Awesome. Great to talk with you, Austin. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. Keep up the good work. The timing of this episode is fitting because tomorrow, September 17th, is actually National Parking Day, a global public effort to transform parking spaces in our cities into art projects and public uses. I would definitely encourage you to search around and see if there are parking day efforts happening in your city. I've been doing this thing of posting our episodes in the Strong Towns Facebook group for the last couple of weeks now and have gotten some feedback. Would love some more. So if you're in that Facebook group or if you feel like joining, just search Strong Towns and you'll find it. It's, uh, it is a private group so that we can, you know, have some sense of community and not have trolls in there. Uh, but if you fill out the like two or three questions in the group, you'll, you'll get approved. So join that group if you want to uh, chat about these episodes or always feel free to email me, rachel at strongtowns.org. Thank you to our Strong Towns members. It was really fun to especially experience the launch of the Confessions of a Recovering Engineer book last week alongside of our members. We had that fun launch party that a bunch of members came to, and we also had a launch team working behind the scenes that was helping to give us feedback on the book process, um, helping to get some reviews out there and um, get the word out about this Strong Towns approach to transportation. So thanks to our members, especially um, folks who've been part of the book launch. If you'd like to become a member of Strong Towns, if you'd like to support this movement that is advocating for more economically resilient places across the country, please join us. Head to strongtowns.org membership. We would love to welcome you. And I also will share that my colleagues, John and Alexa, who work on membership and community building at Strong Towns, have been planning a new member welcome program, which is just going to entail an optional invite-only video chat where you can get to know new members, kind of talk about the challenges going on in your community, meet some Strong Towns team members. Um, so if you join in the next few weeks, you'll definitely get an invite to that. Um, and that would be really exciting to have you as part of that new effort. All right. I will see you back here next week. And I'll just preview for you that next Thursday's episode is going to feature a very special guest our summer intern, Sarah Davis, and you've probably been hopefully reading her articles throughout the summer. Um, she's going to come on the show as she finishes up her internship to just let you get to know her and let her share about her story and her experience uh, as a budding urban planner. So look forward to that next week. All right. Take care, everybody.